Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Hi, I'm Neil Anderson, and welcome to Return to Real, the Honest Health and Fitness Podcast. We're going to have some honesty today. You know what I love? I love when a guy will come on a podcast, when he'll come and just do his thing. I love it when they just lay in their bed and they just grab a pillow and they prop their phone up and they just do it from there. Casey Scott, how you doing, buddy? Hey, buddy. Yeah, when you asked me to do your podcast, I was like, can we do it from my house? And you said, with technology, sure. I said, I can just lay on the floor and get a pillow. And you said, do whatever you want. And I said, I'm in. In fact, Neil, check this out. I'm on the floor in my bedroom and uh, I'm looking underneath my bed. So I'm going to tell you three things that I just found underneath my bed. Are you ready? Yeah, I want. I, I, that's all I care about. So I found a spoon with one googly eye on it. Dude, I thought that was mold. When you pulled no. that up, I was like, this is gross. <laughs> no, Don't tell me. It's, it's still kind of gross, but my son's into crafts because we've been homeschooling. So this must be from a, a craft project. Ah, that's okay. cool. That actually melted my heart, Casey. That was cool. There's a DVD that I never returned to Redbox. <laughs> Don't even know where that is. What uh, What do you think was in it? What video? Some superhero movie, I'm sure. Yeah, that's all there is. Or when I was drunk, probably a rom-com, just trying to, you know, to soothe my heart. Do you think it was that long ago? Oh, I'm sure it is, because <laughs> I haven't rented a movie since I've been out of rehab. Hold on, there's one more thing. A business card for the happy gal. Now, don't think that, don't get that twisted. Wait. Her name is, her name is Jenny Layton. She's a life organizer. Oh, good. I thought that was going in a whole different direction, dude. The happy gal. Oh. I did not oh. think that was going to go there. I'm so, I'm so relieved. <laughs> hey, thanks for coming and doing the podcast, buddy. It's, uh, I've been wanting to talk to you from day one. I um I remember when you very first had had your, your I guess it was an accident and you had an accident a little bit ago. Yeah. I was like I loved you and everybody in the state does and I thought I got to reach out to that guy. Let's see if he's doing okay. And I'm guessing it was a pretty hard time for you. It was probably the darkest time of my life. You know, throughout recovery, I hear people say this all the time. Um I wouldn't wish this disease on anybody but I'm glad I got through it because I know who I am better now than I ever did before. I've been dying to have a conversation with you about that. I've always thought this, Casey, I've always thought that people that are trying to get healthy and fit, I've always thought that they, a lot of our issues with becoming healthy and fit are, um, 
they're related to addiction. Like we, we kind of all have our own little addictions and, you know, if that's, if that's opioids or if that's alcohol, that's one thing. But I think the other thing is like stopping eating as much bread or as much food or as much sugar. I've always thought that there was going to be a relation here. And so I'm fascinated by people who are over able to overcome addictions. And I, I'd love to talk to them because I think, I think that there are secrets that you will have learned that will apply directly to me. And so I've been dying to talk to you about this. You know what, but let's just be honest, whether it's food, gambling, porn, substance, or even working out, it's all form of an addiction. And anything too much, any too much of one thing is a bad thing. And you can apply that to your podcast. Uh, you know, people working out, it's a form of addiction. You've seen people that work out to crazy lengths and it really hurts the rest of their life because they're so focused on working out that they let other things in their life slip by the side. Yeah, it's crazy, huh? Like healthy isn't necessary. A person that's fit isn't necessarily healthy. I've always said that. And people kind of don't understand that about health and fitness. I don't think those two should ever not be with each other. I think anytime somebody says fit, that person's fit. I think the qualifier needs, I think the real the real thing to achieve would be healthy and fit. Because you know what? Health- and I think you're I think you're 100% right. And I think it goes back to what Dr. Matt says on my podcast. Uh, project recovery is that you know you see people that are real healthy and that's just a healthy facade because you don't know mentally how they're doing emotionally how they're doing in all other aspects of their life you just see that facade this 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 in-shape facade and think this person has everything going well i had the similar thing when i had the job on tv and people would say he's got the best job in the world he's got the perfect family and I can't believe this happened to him. But what people didn't see is what was going on behind the scenes, what was going on in my head. And I wasn't mind, body, and soul. I didn't have a whole program going. I just had one aspect going, and that's what most people saw. Take us back, Casey. Not everybody knows your story. Everybody knows you, but not everybody knows your story. Take us back. Where did this all start? When, when did you know you had a problem, and when did you know you had to overcome it? You know, I like to tell people I've been dancing with alcohol. Uh, since I was probably 14. Uh, wow. And yeah, I mean, that's, I, I remember sneaking my first beer at 14 and getting praise from it from the older kids because look at this young kid, a party and hanging with us. And I could tell jokes and I could make them laugh. And I kind of just, you know, that kind of rode shotgun with me until, you know, 18 months ago. Uh, I had some good times partying. I had some bad times with partying. I think it was always a bit a part of my personality. Um, but towards, you know, the past five years is when it really got bad. But I think if you went back the past 15 years, there was wreckage, there was carnage, there were bad things that happened that were directly attributed to alcohol. Give me an example of what some of those things were, what were, um, because I skirt the line too. And anybody that does dance with alcohol on any level, I think can identify with you on that level, right? Like we all dance that line, especially right now. Let's, let's be honest this second right now I've been cooped up now for, Oh, I guess it's, we're going on with this, uh, coronavirus thing. We're going on 14 ish days. Um, is it been that long? Has it only been about 10 days? It's only been about 10 days and I find myself needing some numbness. So, and I don't know if I ever needed the numbness. I think I used it more as a crutch. I thought it made me funnier. I thought it made mundane things fun. Uh, you know, I used to joke that uh, I, I was fine doing anything if you could have a beer. I could, 
I was happy and content doing anything as long as I had a beer with me because it just seemed to make everything fun. It seemed to make everything fun for me, but I don't think it made fun for those around me. Uh, you know, you go back and talk to my ex-wife, you talk to my mom, you talk to my dad. I remember having a conversation with my dad and he's probably my biggest idol. And I've always wanted to be him my whole life. And, um, he, you know, this, when this all went down, he quit drinking the day I did. So he's 18 months sober too. Um, wasn't an alcoholic, but just wanted to do it in solidarity. He told me once, he goes, I've seen you light up a room. I've seen you entertain thousands. I've seen you do the coolest things. And I've never seen you do any of that better drunk you've never been funnier you've never been compassionate you've never been anything better drunk but for some reason i fought to hold this thing into my life like i was 300 you know what i mean it was like i was going to battle i fought hard to keep alcohol in my life because i didn't want anybody to tell me what to do or how to do it or why to do it and when did you run into problems with it when did you know for sure this is this is an issue uh you know i think probably you know, the DUI was huge. Losing my wife was a big one. Uh, ruining events, ruining family parties. I remember one time my son Bowden, who's eight now, um, was having a second birthday party. And we were throwing a big party at the house. And it was on a Sunday. And everybody was coming over. And I told my ex-wife, I go, hey, I got to run to the store and get some stuff for the party. She goes, what? Like, we got to. No, no, I just got to get some stuff for the party. I come walking in the house. And um, had some paper plates and some plastic cups, but I had two cases of beer. My ex-wife is like, what's that for? And I go, it's for Bowden's party. She goes, he's two. Who's it really for? You know, and that set a tone for the rest of that party because I was turning my son's second birthday into a party for everybody, which some people will think, well, that's what you do. Families come over and do that. But that wasn't my mindset. My mindset was this was a time to get drunk. And through the sobriety and recovery, I've learned that just because I was there at these parties and I was actually there, I wasn't present. And so now, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be present. And that's what I've really learned is being present, being mindful. And I've, you know, I've had some really good times. I've had some stories that I could tell you that had to do with alcohol that you'd be like, uh-uh. I remember getting kicked out of Midnight Oil's dressing room because I drank all their beer. Midnight Oil? Yeah. How can we sleep when the beds are burning? Yeah. yeah. You got to go to their dressing room? Yeah, because we were. I was working for a radio station, 107.5 The End. I was doing morning shows, and we brought them in town, and they wanted all these Heinekens. And we were backstage with them in their dressing room, and nobody was drinking them. And I thought, hey, free beer. And I drank them all. And wow. they go, who drank our Heinekens? And uh, I go, I didn't. They go, get out. And I go, okay, see ya. <laughs> I know a guy who out drank rock stars. No, I, 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 yeah. Sundance days were crazy. I mean, it was, it was bonkers. And that's the thing that I have a problem with sometimes is that because of what happened to me, a lot of times people I've spoiled what fun and honest interactions I had with them in the past, you know, because they wonder, was he drunk? Was it this? Was that really him? I mean, for the most part, I was always me. I was just kind of an exaggerated character of myself, and, and I got myself in some bad trouble and didn't know how to get out. Is that right? Mm -hmm. When did you know that you had to turn it around? So we talked about the son's, your son's party, and then 
what was the day for you? What was the one day? What was the, you know, I'm the rock bottom. Up. Yeah. The rock bottom was September 3rd, me wrecking my truck, uh, causing a big accident uh, here in Davis County. And they pulling me out of my truck. I'm laying on the ground. Uh, sirens are f- flashing, going. I got blood coming down my face. and I'm looking up at the skies and the clouds are dancing by. And I think to myself, my life is forever changed. And I don't want this to be the end of it. And I don't want to do this anymore. So something's got to change. And that was it. And then I came home, um, signed myself up for a detox facility, went for seven days. From there, I went to a recovery center, uh, Pinnacle Recovery, did 45 days there. My last drink was September 3rd, 2018. Congratulations, Casey. That's a big Thanks, deal. Man. Yeah. Um, will you walk me through your detox? I've always thought this. It's a weird question, I know, but I've always thought this. I've thought that people who have a food addiction, and people do, bottom line, people have food addiction. They have they have addiction to the junk that they're sticking in their mouth. They have addiction mm-hmm. to the feel of it. They have addiction to the, how it makes them feel. They have addictions to it. It's it's a habits, right? To the and endorphins always, that are released? Yeah. Yeah. I've always thought that they have addiction to this. The problem is that everybody thinks the second that you start getting some artifact from that addiction, meaning I stop it. I don't want to eat as many, whatever they are, M&Ms. I don't know what the addiction would be, but I've always said that you're going to go through some issues. You're going to feel like hell for about two weeks. Will you describe to me what your detox process was like? How did it feel? What were the days? Have you ever sat and thought about it? Maybe I'm putting you on the spot here. No, I mean, because I talk about it a lot. And I'm very honest about my uh, my recovery, and it really helps me more than it helps other people. Uh, so I didn't know what a detox facility was. I didn't know I was an alcoholic. I, I mean, I thought, but I'd never said it out loud. I'd fought the demons, and some years I'd win, some years I would lose. Um, so I called the Uni Detox Center, which is up at the University of Utah, and said, hey, I need to come in. And they says, this was at 7 o'clock on September on labor day um 2018 i said i need to come they said well we can't see you till the morning i said so what am i supposed to do they go well just come in the morning i go and i was panicking i was having panic attacks uh i was like i i I, this is not going to be good they go well there's nothing we can do i said well i'll be there at five in the morning they said well uh we probably won't be able to get you until 11 i said that's all right because i can't stay here and so my mom picked me up i'm 45 years old my mom picked me up dropped me off at uni and I said, how am I going to be here? They go, we don't know. We haven't assessed you. And so you go through a question and answer. You talk to a therapist. You talk to a social worker. You do all this stuff. And then they admit you. Um, and you have to blow to get in so they know if you're drunk or high or anything. So I had to do that. And as the door shuts, I look back at my mom. She's crying. Uh, I'm just kind of stone-faced because I don't know what's really going on. I just got a DUI. My career is ruined. Uh, you know, I really hit rock bottom. Yeah. You, you, you lost, you lost your job at KSL. Yeah. 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 They were, KSL was good to me. They kept me, you know, they kept me on, uh, throughout the whole process. Um, you know, just to make sure I had insurance and help me through recovery and all that stuff. And we can talk about that a little later, but KSL has really done a wonderful job of staying by me and being in my corner. And I put them in a bad situation. I really did. Uh, they, they really went above and beyond. Uh, so the yeah, door is shut. They're good people down there. My my experience with those folks are that they're like that. Uh, so I really door, enjoyed working down there. The door shuts. I walk in there and I go to this room and this lady goes, all right, 
we need your belt. We need your shoelaces. And I go, whoa, what, what do we need that for? And they go, uh, because you're going into a, a floor that uh, people are in bad shapes. And we've had bad experiences with that in the past. And so we're going to take anything that you could use to self-harm or anybody else could use from me. And I go, whoa. And that got real serious. And then they give you this thing that's called no-slip socks. And if you don't know what no-slip socks are, they're basically the socks that uh, the trampoline park sell you for three bucks. Uh, yeah. They're just socks you put on with little sticky things on the bottom that you walk around. So everybody's walking around a detox facility uh, with no belt, uh, no shoelaces. And if you don't have you know, shoes, you have no-slip socks. And so they give you some medicine to help you wean you off of alcohol because, believe, believe it or not, alcohol is one of the most dangerous substances to come off of. Yeah, and it can so, kill you if you yeah. come straight off of it cold turkey. Now, do you feel like you were at that level? Did you need the alcohol at that point? You know, towards I, I, I remember having conversations with myself in the mirror where I would play both parts. I'd be like, hey, and the mirror would be like, what? And I'd be like, hey, so today we're not going to drink, right? And the mirror would be like, yeah, totally. We're not going to drink. This is, this is a deal. And the mirror would go, yeah, it's a total deal. And then like an hour and a half later, we'd be on the back deck with a beer. And I'd be like, hey, one of us is a liar. <laughs> because we both agreed I was there, you know, and to be honest, I'm playing both people. So one of us is a liar. So, I mean, I'd like to say that I didn't, but I did, I did need it. I mean, I would, I it was Pavlovian almost. I mean, I would find myself walking into the Maverick and be in the cooler, having a 12 pack in hand without even knowing it and going, Hey, wait a minute. This is no. And so I, you know, they start to detox me and, uh, for seven days I spent in there and, you know, you're doing arts and crafts in there. It's a lot like homeschooling. Um, you know, they do arts and crafts. I remember I was doing a hand to turn it into a Turkey. Uh, we were talking about our feelings and everybody was in like a different, it was kind of weird. And the whole time I'm kind of just staring at my shoes going, Hey, I hope nobody recognizes me. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, sure. You know, but I was recognizing them. They were, hey, aren't you the guy from TV? And I go, you might want to change that. I was the guy from TV. I'm wow. now the guy in detox with you. Wow. How'd and, you feel? How'd you feel? How'd your body feel when you were going through detox? Did you have any physical types of withdrawal syndromes? You know, uh, for the first week, they have you pretty much medicated to wean you off of it. So to be honest with you, that first week was pretty much a blur, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, I can't really remember stuff too vividly. I remember, remember the first time I stood up at a meeting and said, my name is Casey Scott and I'm an alcoholic. Uh, I remember meeting a few people that I'm still kind of in touch with that were kind of like brothers in arms with me while I was in there. But I don't really remember much of the day-to-day process in there. I remember we could go down to the cafeteria and you could get whatever you wanted to eat. And it was like uh, John Belushi in Animal House. Man, I was just loading up trays of food. Wow. Wow. I would be that way too. Did you gain? Um, so we got to get into that too. We got a lot of stuff to get into here, Casey. Thank you for giving me this, this information. I love kind of catching up to you. I knew your story. I've been, I've been following your podcast project recovery with uh, Dr. Matt Woolley. I love that podcast, brother. It Thank is, you. It, you do such terrific work on there. I want to get into some more stuff too with the podcast. I want to find out Things like, what are you doing with it? What's the the purpose of it? What was your vision of it? I, I can't wait to hear, hear more about that. But the thing that I'm most interested in, you lost like 40 pounds. You got in yeah. shape. So you gained a little, it sounds like, in rehab. Then you got in shape. And that's one of the things that a lot of my people, when, when they found out I had Casey Scott, they're like, well, what's he do? And we want to hear, 
reps. We want to hear sets. I want to hear nutrition and um, a little bit about project recovery, but I'm going to do it after the break. Is that okay. cool? All right. We'll talk to Casey Scott a little bit more after the break. You're listening to Return to Real right here with Neil Anderson on KSL. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, welcome back to Return to Real. My name is Neil Anderson. I'm here today. It's uh, it's an honor to be here with Casey Scott. Casey, <laughs> you've been an idol of mine for a long time. You don't remember this, but back in the olden days, I used to work down at Channel Two, um, and I had I had uh, this little morning spot. Me and uh, a girl named Kara. Everybody remembers Kara. Nobody remembers that I was there, but you were there doing that roving reporter stuff way back then, and I would sit and talk to you and you were an idol and no i remember i remember talking to you because i remember going doing the workout with you because you were instrumental in making the jazz dancers look like the jazz dancers that's right see now i was happy i'm so happy you said that because i usually don't let us get this far into an interview without mentioning the jazz dancers but yeah yeah stuff with those guys um just got out of recovery you mm-hmm. um no 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 detox so we want to bring you up to speed with where we're at. We in the last segment we talked about where Casey's been. We talked mm-hmm. about what uh, going into detox. We talked about recovery, and now I want to, if we can, some ground we got to cover right now. People want to know how how what was recovery like for you? Okay, like, so I actually lost forty five pounds while I was in recovery. You uh, did in the rehab center. Uh, so I'm getting ready to leave detox. Uh, I've been talking to people in no-slip socks, making hand turkeys for a week. And this nurse comes to me and goes, hey, there's a lady here from Pinnacle Recovery. Would you like to talk to her? And I love to talk. I said, I'll talk to anybody. And uh, so I walk in. Her name is Alicia. And she was just this, this beacon of light. And she goes, hey, have you ever thought about going into a recovery center? And at this point, I had no idea what I was doing. I just knew what I didn't want to do, and that was drink anymore. So she told me about Pinnacle Recovery and said, I think this place would be good for you. And I said, well, um, let me let me think about it. And I called my mom. I'm 45. I called my mom. I go, hey, mom, will you go look at this recovery center? They want me to go. Now, it's kind of, I'm ashamed to say that at 45, I have to call my mom to go look at a recovery center. But that's where my life was. And so she drives by there and she goes and look in there and she calls me and she goes, honey, I think, uh, I think you do good here. I think you should really think about it. And, um, I said, okay, I'm in. 
So I show up to Pinnacle Recovery, um, you know, uh, just right from detox into Pinnacle Recovery. And when you get there, um, they kind of break it down to this is what it's going to be. It's a mind, body, soul. It's a it's a full body recovery is what we're working on here. So we did classes from eight in the morning till five at night. Uh, we did yoga. But what we did that really vibed with me was the gym. We were required to go to the gym an hour and a half a day. Wow. Outstanding. And, uh, outstanding. So I went there and, and I was in shape. I mean, I ebb and flow. I gained 40 pounds, dropped 40 pounds, uh, probably my whole life. I mean, I kind of just go in cycles like this. And I met a guy there that was in pretty good shape. And I said, hey, what do, what do you, you want to work out? And he's like, yeah, let's do this. And so we just started working out together. And instantaneously, I started feeling better. I really did. I mean, it, it, it's, it was something that I could control. It's something that I could do and I could see results. And so every day we would go work out at uh, this gym. And before you knew it, we had the whole house working out with us. Everybody's biceps are showing improvement. Everyone's chest are showing improvement. And not only that, uh, part of the program at Pinnacle Recovery is they have a dietitian uh, approved menu there. And the chef cooks these meals that are just second to none. And so I just started eating right and working out, which sounds stupid and simple, but that's what I did. Right. And I just started seeing results. And you know, as being a fitness instructor, that's one of those things that will help people get through a plateau or keep going is when you can see those instantaneous almost results. And you go, oh, wow, these jeans aren't as tight anymore. And man, my arms look kind of good in this t-shirt, you know, and yeah. it starts to boost your confidence, not only your confidence, but your mindset too. You go, wow, hey, all right, you know, and I was 45 working out with 21 year old. And I remember this 21 year old kid goes, wow, you're in pretty good shape for an old man. And I was like, whoa, hey, who you call an old man? Because yeah. I still in my head, I'm 29, you know, yeah, back off of that old man stuff, kid. Yeah. Yeah. And so th that's what I did. And so. You know, I remember I would talk to my therapist because we were required to talk to a therapist twice a week for individual therapy sessions. And I would say, hey, listen, we need to schedule these around. Um, not, I don't want to lose my gym time because the gym time is very crucial to my recovery. And that is something that I do right now still at a recovery. I meditate. I try to practice mindfulness and I work out. I just got done working out in my house because we can't go to the gyms because we got a buddy named Rob Eastman. You know, Rob? Yeah, I love Rob Eastman. Now, Rob's been on the show before, and I, I gain a lot of strength from Rob. I love Rob Eastman. He's just a powerful guy with a great mindset and uh, a proven track record. So I called him, and we've been working out a little bit during this, uh, this virus uh, containment. And uh, he gave me a kettlebell. So I got a 35-pound kettlebell that i just been swinging around my bedroom to kind of maintain my workout during these times. And, uh, you know, th that's something that I need to do daily just to keep my mind right. It seems so weird to work out to keep your mind right, but that's how it works with me. I want to go backwards a little bit. One of the things that just inspired me the most about your recovery is you talked about mind, body, spirit connection. I'm always surprised, always Casey, when people will tell me I want to lose a little weight. And they mean it. They've got 35, 40 pounds to lose, some of them 70, some of them 100. And they break it down into this ridiculousness that is all about the body. And they forget to connect the mind and the spirit. They do. 
They think that this is just some physical thing. They're going to exercise and eat right, and it's all going to go away. But you're talking about the whole gamut. And I'd like to, if I could, explore a little more of that with you because you said you went to therapy. You said Mm -hmm. you've got friends that were in. It it looks like you were bringing people together and working out with them. It turned into the social thing. Um, I think that's a key, isn't it? I No, I think it really is. I mean, uh, for the longest time, I would just work out by myself, but I wasn't really pushing myself. I wasn't having somebody hold me accountable. So now I've got a group of guys that I work out with in Ogden when the coronavirus is done. I've been working out with Rob. I've got a community. What we found in the recovery world, the opposite of addiction is connection. It's connection. You got to have a connection with somebody. It's not sobriety. It's connection. So it's having those people that you can count on, that you can interact with. The other thing I like about working out for my mind is, is I'm an extrovert. So if we walk into a room, my attention is going to be focused on you to make you laugh, to get you to talk, to make you feel comfortable. And when you're doing that all the time, you don't really take time for self-introspection. And so sometimes when I get up on a treadmill or I get on the elliptical and put my headphones in and listen to music for 30 minutes, that's the only 30 minutes that my mouth's going to be shut during the day. And so that's when I dance around in my head. That's where I make moves of what I'm going to do that day. I set goals and, and, and focus on what needs to be done because that's really my time to kind of figure out where I want to go and check in with myself. I can tell you the worst thing for me about this, this shutdown right now, about the fact that we're all self-isolating. The worst thing for me is the isolation from each other. Like this right here is so stimulating to me because I'm actually talking to somebody outside of my house and Mm -hmm. I need this. Do you know what's weird about that, Casey, is I'm a complete introvert. I get my energy away from people. So when I'm out there being away from other folks, I feel so very good. But here we are 10 days into the shutdown and I find myself dying for human interaction. One of the things I think is this, I think that humans, because we're a social species, I think that we need each other. And I think that health and fitness is one of the last bastions of personal touch, of personal touch. Like I can be in a room and I I don't want the people to come and touch me. I really, I'm not good with people. I don't like, I'm, I'm great with people when they're, when I'm around them. It's that I need to get away from them. I got about an hour of that and I got to go. I got to go right now. I love hearing your other side of that, needing the people. But I think at the end of this, what it is, is people need each other. And I think health and fitness is one of the last bastions of actual touch. It's the only place where you and I can really, really touch that, maybe get our hair cut, maybe go to the doctor. But right now, everything's just right here. That's all we do. We all yeah. just sit and push buttons. We all just sit and um, swipe. And health and fitness, we need each other. I love that in all addiction things, I've talked to Rob Eastman about this. I, I love that in all recovery centers, there's a, a thing where people have to get together. You have to tell other people, not just yourself, hi, I'm Neil Anderson, I'm an addict kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what the thing about it is the recovery community is so understanding and willing to help others because somebody has helped us. And that's what it's about is that connection is reaching out to people. Uh, you know, just like in my addiction with alcohol, I mean, the, I would get endorphins flooding when I'd hear the crack of a Bud Light sh- because my mind would know what's going to happen. But now I get the same kind of endorphins going when I smell a gym when I'm walking up the stairs, when I'm putting on my workout clothes, I go, okay, 
there's going to be something good here. And it's something good for my body. It's good for my mind and it's good for my soul. And that's, I mean, so that's what I say when we started the podcast, that even working out can become somewhat of an addiction because you get those endorphins, you get those accolades, you get those people that will work on those triceps nonstop because they know whatever party they're going to go to, somebody's going to go, have you seen that dude's triceps? Those triceps are sick, bro. You know what yeah, I mean? Man. But that's what they're focusing on. So I think it's moderation in all things. And I mean, we do need to, to take our workout into moderations, but also understand the good that it's doing our body, mind, and soul. Yeah. What's your workout? What do you do specifically? So I've been working out with these guys up in Ogden. Uh, I'm working out with Jeff McCartney from ZHT. Uh, Say it again, ZHT? Yeah, ZHT. is the afternoon guy is ZHT. Oh, and yeah, guy yeah, yeah. yeah, and Mike Medina. These were just two dudes that I kind of knew from being in Ogden. And when I started going to the gym in the morning, I asked them if I could work out with them, and they, they let me. So they, they've got the workout, and I just follow along. And it's usually a rotation of, you know, buys and tries, chest and back, shoulder and legs, you know, one day doing those and then moving. And then uh, two days a week is cardio, either doing a kind of a uh, class or just running. But I also try yeah. to do 30, 30 minutes of uh, elliptical. I got a, I had a hip replacement because I thought skiing and drinking was a good idea and took a big jump and that didn't end well. So I'm not much of a runner anymore, but I, so I do an elliptical. I didn't know that about you. That's, that's rough. That's yeah. I got it on TV. I'll send you the video. That's amazing. So you, you just do the good old fashioned six day split back and buys, yep. chest and tries, um, leg, shoulders and abs, some version of that. Yep sets and reps and sets how many how many sets of let's say on biceps day how many different biceps moves do you do and then how many sets of that do you do in reps so the current program we're working right now is a six-week program that uh this guy gets from some other guy in arizona it's i don't know what kind of deal it is but it seems legit but so one six-week program it'll be heavyweight so we're pushing it to get more strength and then the okay. next six week will be more reps intensive. So we're toning it. So, so in your strength days, are you guys going um, much heavier, lower, um, lower yeah. reps? So three to five reps. Yeah. Okay. And so, and then, and then on the, the lighter days, it's more of 10 to 20. Okay. Okay. Cool. And you know, it, yeah, that's what, I mean, that's kind of what it is now. Like I said, I'm just a sheeple in this one. I'm just following these guys because I get bored with workouts pretty easily. So I like it when I don't have to take control and somebody will go, this is what we're doing. I go, okay, I'm in. And that's why yeah. I think programs such as yours are so popular because it is different every time. And yeah. people are just showing up and they're not having to do the think and they go, let's see what we can do. And then the fact that you have some timed elements and, and I think that shows a competitive edge that other people will get in on. I'm yeah. not a competitive guy anymore where I want to do in a certain amount of time, but I don't want to hurt myself, but I like being 46 and being able to put up a, a bunch of weight. I kind of like that. I'll tell you what I like about it. I like the timed element because then I can, I know that if there's a clock on me and we don't do as many timed elements as we used to, but I know when there's a clock on that there's a certain level of intensity that I need to get to today. And that level of intensity is going to suck. I'm not going to like that at all. And I'm lucky enough that, um, I know this is going to be over in a couple of seconds. And so it can be over. We only do about one timed element uh, a week. You know, the thing, the thing that I find myself saying a lot, especially in today's times with kind of what the coronavirus is going on and the job economy and all that stuff, is I remind myself, I was like, hey, I'm, 
beaten addiction to to this point. So throw whatever you got at me. I think yeah. I can handle it because I never yeah. thought I would be 18 months sober. I never thought I would be 18 months sober and happy about it. Right. I thought, hey, I could be 18 months sober and be miserable, but I can tell you without a doubt, 100%, I am happier now than I've ever been. I'm so glad to hear that. You look happy. You, you really are killing it. I love your podcast. Can we go there for a minute? Tell me about your podcast. Sure. Tell me about Project Recovery. What was your vision behind it? Are you achieving that vision? How, how do you feel like it's going? So while I was in recovery at Pinnacle, uh, we'd sit in these process groups and there'd be 10 to 12 of us. And um, that's when I saw the real face of addiction. Uh, for the first couple of times, I remember two days into recovery, I called my mom and I go, Hey, I don't think I'm in the right place. And she goes, what are you talking about? So there's people in here for opioids, heroin, and meth. I'm in here for Bud Light. You know, I don't think this is the right place. And she goes, you're an idiot. You're in the right place. Uh, cause I didn't want to think that I was one of them, but truth be told, I was one of them. My drug of choice was just different than theirs. It was something that had control of me that I couldn't figure it out. But while I was in there, I saw the real face of addiction and I was in there with law enforcement officers. I was in there with uh, parents of uh, rich neighborhoods. I was in there with guys that didn't have a home and I saw what the real face of addiction was. And it wasn't just what you see on law and order or CSI. It's everybody. It's the guy at the gas station. It's the guy at the bank. It's the guy at the grocery store. It's your realtor. All these people are the real face of addiction. And I wondered to myself, why aren't people talking about this? Everybody thinks, I heard it so many times when this happened to me, he goes, I can't believe it happened to Casey. He came from such a good family. He had everything yeah. going. And the truth is, addiction doesn't discriminate. It gets, it gets anybody and everybody it can. So I was like, while I was in there, I wasn't sure if KSL was going to let me go because they said, just work on your recovery. And I said, well, while I was in there, I thought this idea, I want to do a podcast and, and talk about what I'm doing and what I'm seeing. And so I told everybody in recovery that I was going to do a podcast and everyone was like, yeah, you're not going to do it. And I love hearing that because I go watch. So when I got out of recovery on the 45th day, three days later, I meet with KSL. KSL tits me down and goes, looks like you're doing good, but unfortunately we're going to have to let you go. And I go, I get it. You know, I get it. And they said, we're going to shut the door. I said, well, I, I figured that. They go, well, we're not going to shut it tight. Do you get what we're saying? And I said, I think so. And I said, I just need to get my stuff together and we'll see what happens. And they go, that's a possibility. And I said to him, I said, would this be a bad time to pitch you guys for a podcast? And they go, we're letting you go and you're asking us for another job. And I go, yeah. And I go, I've got this idea. And KSL was good enough to go, if you can get a doctor, go along with you. And I knew a doctor because I was doing a podcast with him before this. We'll do it. And so I called up Dr. Matt and I said, I got this idea. And he goes, let's do it. So my idea about the podcast, it's not going to fix you because I can't fix you. Only you can fix you. And that's what I truly believe. But it's going to let you know that your story is not unique. It might be unique in the circumstances, but addiction affects us all. So let's just have a conversation. Let's give people hope. Let's let people know that other people out there are fighting with it addiction just as bad as you are. And that's what I realized. I'm not a 12-step guy. I don't like AA because it just doesn't jive with what kind of person I am. But I did like sitting in a room of 200 people who couldn't figure out drinking just like I did. For the first time, I didn't feel alone in my addiction. So I just wanted to let people come on and tell their stories. And so far, that's what we've done. We've been doing it a little over a year now. Um, and with 
pretty good success. And so we're pretty stoked about where it's going. And as long as people will listen, we'll keep talking. I want to make a recommendation to anybody listening to this podcast. You need to get over to Project Recovery. And here's why. The thing to know about health and fitness is it's a behavioral change. It is for a person to become successful at health and fitness, they need to become successful at adjusting their behavior. And it takes a level of honesty. It takes a level of of rigorousness. It takes a level of repetition that most of us aren't familiar with. But you know who is? The recovery people. The recovery people get it. They go through this every single day. And they hit rock bottom. I think, Casey, we need to hit rock bottom. If you're struggling with that last 30 pounds and you've been struggling and struggling and struggling with 30 pounds your whole life and you're not able to get over this, this is no longer I, I didn't find the right workout. This is no longer I didn't find the right food programming. You have addictive behaviors. And you need to get over to Project Recovery with Casey Scott and Dr. Matt Woolley. You need to listen to that. And you need to find the answers that the other people that are this deep in some real tough stuff and find your own way through that. Would you agree with that? A hundred percent. And I think if we really wanted to be candid about this, I think we all know what it is, but it's honesty and it's going Because I think if you've been fighting that last 30 pounds and you wanted to look in the mirror and have a real honest conversation with you, you know exactly why you're not hitting that. You know exactly why. But you don't want to fight that fight because you think that fight's too tough. Now, I'm here to tell you that fight is going to be tough. But I can tell you that fight can be won. That's all I needed to hear. Casey Scott, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Such a pleasure to talk to you. I wish you continued success. I'm grateful for you. Thank you for coming on. I love you, buddy. Mean it. Love you, man. Folks, you've been listening to Return to Real, the honest health and fitness show right here with Neil Anderson. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.